You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hey, lead liners. This is India Wilkinson. As a fellow equestrian entrepreneur, I love listening to the lead line podcast and learning new ways to help me grow my business, Main Street Market. Main Street Market is a free app and website that markets sales horses and equine services to your potential customers. I'm also super excited to announce the recent launch of our sister company, Main Street Auctions, where we host an online sport horse auction every other month. So I'd love for you to learn more. Visit the link in the show notes to download the free Main Street Market app today or check out our website at MainStreetMarket.com and that's M-A-N-E StreetMarket.com. Welcome to the Leadline Podcast, the show where we believe that running your own horse business should feel less like a chore and more like the life you've always dreamed of. Join us as we share valuable advice on how to become more focused, more organized, and more profitable in your horse business. And now, here's your host, Mandy Flanders. Welcome to the Leadline Podcast. I'm Mandy, and in today's episode, I'm chatting with British oil painter Emily Johnson. Emily is a specialist in equestrian art and the official artist-in-residency for the Cheltenham Racecourse in the UK. Emily's journey to landing her dream art residency was not an easy one, but she knew what she wanted and she went for it anyway. In our conversation today, Emily discusses how art residencies can be extremely competitive. So she tells us how she took matters into her own hands and took a unique approach to creating an opportunity for herself when other doors just weren't opening. Many of the tips she shares today are applicable not only for artists, but for any equestrian entrepreneur looking to monetize or level up their earning potential in their passion. So sit back and join me as we chat with this incredibly smart and talented artist. Here is Emily Johnson. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the podcast today. Hi, Mandy. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I've been following you on Instagram for a little bit, and you are a very talented equestrian oil painting artist. Like, you're very good. (laughs) I just want to get that right out of the way in the beginning. You are very talented at what you do. I've been looking on your website and at your photos that are on your Instagram. And when I started actually paying attention and going through your feed and looking, I was like, wow, Emily is actually really, really good. So I'm excited to dig into how that all started for you today and how you've turned that into your full-time work. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. Yeah. So a bit about my background. I loved art at school and drawing, but our school wasn't particularly... um, I don't know, well-equipped for like, they didn't really help you that much. So I wasn't really kind of pushed in any direction with it. So I ended up going down the science route and I just kind of, uh, I, I did art kind of up to the end of school and then I just, I just kind of let it go. So I ended up doing science and I went to an agricultural university in the end so that I could take my horse with me basically. <laughs> And so I did um, an equine science degree. So I learned all of the kind of anatomy, physiology. I loved all the the veterinary stuff. And yeah, that, that's something I'm really like passionate about. So it's just my my two passions. But for the time being, I'd um, stepped away from the art and I'd kind of forgotten about it. So yeah, it wasn't until a few years later. So after I left the university, then I got a job on a farm, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I loved all the veterinary stuff on that. And um, yeah, it wasn't for a few years that I rediscovered drawing. 
And so um, I started drawing people's uh, friends, kind of pets and dogs and yeah, horses. And, um, and that's kind of where it all started again for me. So you were originally self-taught and you've been doing art now for, is it about five years? Yeah, well, I think it's a bit, it's a bit longer. I kind of dipped in and out of it, like kind of professionally, I suppose, like probably I think it's been about eight or nine years now that I, since the very beginning. But yeah, professionally, then for a while I was working on the farm and then um, doing it on the side. And it got to the point where I, I would have had to start turning people away. So I took the plunge and I um, quit my job. And I thought, right, I'm going to just do the artwork. So um, that was probably about six years ago. Yeah. And then in the end, I ended up uh, stepping away from it again because I wanted to retrain in oils. That was like really important to me. I wanted to become an oil painter and I wasn't having the time. I had so many kind of um, commissions all the time, but they were kind of they were a, a lower price point. So I was kind of constantly like almost churning them out, you know, and, and the, the, the love wasn't kind of there that I wanted to give because I was having to do a high volume. So I thought this isn't this isn't how I want the experience to be. I want it to be more personal. I want to go and visit the animals. I want to spend time like meet the owners and make it a much more special experience. So so I thought right, I'm going to kind of knock it on the head for a couple of years and I I went away and retrained in oils. So yeah, it's been about 3 years that I've kind of been reborn as an oil painter. So yeah, it's it's kind of new but yeah, going well. Well, you are really living the dream, I think, for anyone who is in art. The dream is, you know, you want to quit your job, you want to do art full time, but that is really hard for a lot of artists to do. I'm not an artist, so I'm not in that space, but I know people that do art and it's it's always the thing they talk about. It's, you know, I wish I could quit my job. I wish I could do art full time. How did you know that you were ready to walk away from your job and take the plunge in doing art full time? I think I was in quite a lucky situation in that I was um I'd moved into my boyfriend at the time I'd moved into his family house so I had like a low I had it was low risk for me to do it so I was very lucky like so that was like fantastic so I thought I think what it was was I thought right I'm going to try it now and so I went for it and that's um kind of when I was I was kind of doing a lot of a high volume kind of low price point pieces And so, yeah, so, but I've always kind of juggled and dipped in and out of working alongside. So I think that's really important, like for people to know if I, if I run out of money or if I want to buy something expensive for the business, I go back to the farm. I've got kind of like, or, you know, I've done bar work I've done. So I think it's really important not to put, if you put the pressure on your artwork, paying all your bills, then you end up getting trapped in, in situations that you don't really want to be in anymore. You end up taking jobs that you don't want and things like that. So I do think it's really important for as long as possible to kind of find other ways to to make your money. And then you can put and then any money you make for your artwork, I love to like put straight back in if I can. And it's a lot like that still now. So yeah, I've been very lucky kind of with people, you know, helping me. Well, as we like to say, I don't know if you have this saying in in the UK, uh, you know, I'm based in the US, we were talking about this before we started the recording today. But we like to call it not putting all of your eggs in one basket, so, so to speak. So, you know, making sure that as you're building, you still have other ways of bringing in income if you're an entrepreneur who's just starting a business. And it's that balance of finding, you know, do you quit the job? Do you go full time with your business? And how do you know when the right time is to do that? 
And things are always changing. So it's always good to have some kind of backup plan if you want to bring in a little extra income too. So I love that you were able to do that. And it sounds like because you had fewer expenses at the time, you were able to make that work. And not everybody can do that. So one of the things we're also going to talk about today is how you have created different opportunities for yourself and found success in doing so. And I love that because entrepreneurship is about looking for opportunities and opening doors for yourself and walking through them. And you've done something very unique. So let's talk a little bit about that because I know you recently found a door to walk through for yourself. And I'd love for you to tell our listeners what that was. So as of November last year, so it's been about five months, I've become Cheltenham Racecourse, which is one of the biggest, one of the biggest race courses, jump racing in, uh, in the UK. So I've become their official artist in residence, which is an incredible experience. Like I'm sure a lot of people in the US wouldn't know, but this race course is massive. It's like beautiful. It's got like a beautiful landscape and everything's like I don't know, like marble and granite. Like it's just so incredible. Like every time I walk in there, I think, oh my God, how has this happened to me? But um, no, it's 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 absolutely incredible. Yeah. And as you said, it's it's a situation that I kind of I presented to them about 10 years ago. I did some research into it and I think I believe about 10 years ago they had an artist in residence. But I've kind of found out that they didn't have one at the time. I didn't think that they had one. And so I kind of started, it took about a year, but um, I started kind of like testing the water of whether they, whether they would consider having one. And then, and yeah, and then it's kind of um, art residencies. I just say when I kind of pitch it to people like, oh, it's whatever we want it to be. Like we can create this. It can be, you know, and, and yeah, they said yes. Um, So yeah, it took a bit of um, work though, but I managed to get them to say yes. So yeah, it's incredible opportunity. So what exactly is an art residency? So an art residency, you might have seen them in, sometimes you see them in like kind of museums or big galleries. They'll have like an artist working. Sometimes they provide a studio for the artist to work in. It could be for a week or it could be for um, six months where the artist kind of say, there's quite a lot in New York where I've seen, you can go on like websites and you can see all the different art residency programs around the world and you just go in and the idea is is that you're absorbing like another culture or way of life and in return they are providing a space for the artist to work and they know that they're kind of bringing new art into the world and sometimes the artist will give them a painting or they'll give them some artwork to auction for charity so it's it's whatever you want it to be but there's there's art residency programs all around the world and you know you get them in kind of jungles and places like that like really incredible places but you'll get thousands and thousands of artists apply. And I think it was one of my my art kind of mentors. I was saying, oh, this is amazing, like art residency on a boat. And it goes around like all the Galapagos Islands. And, and she was like, well, she said, just think of like the best place you can that you would want your residency and then just go and ask them. Like, don't don't apply for these ones where there's like a massive amount of competition, just like create your own. And it was really like the light switched on in my head. And I thought, oh, my God, that's so much easier. (laughs) So that's what I did. So my brain's just going now. Like, I'd love to, like, go and see different equestrian facilities all around the world, like see different breeds of horses and, you know, study them, spend some time with them. So, yeah, my, my eyes have kind of been open to the opportunities. Yeah, the competition 
in other programs, whether it's the art residency programs or it's, you know, there's definitely other places where people are applying and they're competing against hundreds or thousands of other people and they're trying to be in the spotlight. And it's a lot more difficult that way. So I love that you took a creative angle to it and that your mentor said, well, why not just pitch this? So when you did pitch it, who did you go to at this place and how did they respond to your pitch? Well, to start with, I rung reception. It was probably 18 months ago. I kind of rung up reception. I asked who I needed to speak to about it and they gave me a name. And then so I I got the email address and I thought, right, okay, I'll, I'll email them. And then I heard nothing back. Like I couldn't get a response like from this, this person that they'd emailed. And then I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll try some other race courses as well. And so I just, so I emailed, I did the same process with each race course. And, um, and I thought, mm, and, but in my head, I thought, oh, I wanted Cheltenham. I like, that is, it's local to me and it's like an incredible race course. It's really like beautiful. So, but anyway, I tried these other race courses and I didn't hear anything back. Like, I think it's that, you know, like where you need a, a pass, you know, like to get in, like, it's like you, you're meeting the doors, aren't you? And the people you need to speak to are protected by like kind of the first layer. So basically I, I didn't hear anything back. And so I, um, and I thought, well, you know what, I'll, I'll keep kind of chipping away. I thought no's never know. Like I haven't even managed to get to speak to the right person yet. So I, um, I had an exhibition last year, which I like created myself another situation where I kind of created, I held like my own exhibition in a beautiful gallery. And I like thought, right, I'll do it myself. So I did that. And of course I sent invites to all of the, the race courses and I didn't hear back, but then a couple of the people from the race course started following me on LinkedIn, which was interesting. And then I got a message from one of the guys that, and he was like, oh, let us know if we can help promote your exhibition. And I thought, oh my God. I said, well, don't worry about promoting the exhibition. I said, like, uh, what I'd really like to do is an art residency at the race course. And he was like, oh, that's an incredible idea. And he said, I love your work and it would go really well. And so like, it was just, it was just managing to make contact with the right person. So that's another thing I'd say is like, don't, don't feel like downhearted when you like, don't get responses and things like that. Like you just have to keep finding different angles and ways in. And then once I was kind of speaking to the right people, it was slow because they're an incredibly like busy business but I just had to be kind of patient. And in the end, I just, I got to, got a few meetings with them and, and they were delighted to have me. So yeah, really great. Oh, that's amazing. How long would you say from your initial point of contact to actually getting in, how long did it take you for that entire process? So from when I f- sent my first email to actually stepping into the race course, it was over a year. So maybe 18 months. So you waited a little while. Yeah, I, but I was in the meantime, I was trying other things and doing other things, you know, like I, I was always productive, like I was probably emailing other companies and things like that. So but in my head, I just thought, no, it's got to be Cheltenham. So yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I love that you were able to do that. And what a good example of staying determined, but also just doing your thing and continuing to push forward while you wait for what you really want. And I think that that's important too, to have clarity on what you're going after and just really putting that out there, both in your efforts, but also, you know, mentally, verbally and saying, you know, this is what I want. This is what I'm going after. And it is important to have that clarity. Yeah. And then when it finally came to it, I was like, then surprised that I got it. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. So yeah, it's just unbelievable. But I did put the hours in, I suppose. 
How has this changed your business of arts now that you've been there for a few months? Have you seen a difference in your business and in, in, in the growth? Yeah. So generally just being associated with kind of the brand of this this race course has really kind of elevated my credibility as an artist. I've had kind of people contacting me internationally now. Um, so it's just kind of being associated with the brand. It has influenced my artwork, I'd say. I've kind of gone a bit I'm leaning towards kind of more classical artists like Stubbs and Munnings. I'm just really inspired kind of down that route, whereas maybe I'd have gone a different way if I'd have managed to get a different residency somewhere. So it's working in that way that I am being influenced. And I'm mixing with a different dynamic of people, which is is wonderful. It's like, it's a different culture is like, is horse racing. So it's just really interesting hearing you get people that don't have a lot of money, but that, like got that, all their hopes in like a, in a racehorse and they're desperate for it to win. And But they love the horse and they, their hearts in their mouth when it's racing. And then you get people, I, you know, I speak to people and I say, oh, do you have a horse? And they're like, oh, I've got um, 60 at home. I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know, so it's just fascinating hearing people's stories. As an artist, for any artists that might be listening in, can you describe some of the different revenue streams now that you've built for yourself as an artist that is profitable? Yeah, so commissions is my is my main thing, and that's the main thing I'm I'm working on at the moment. And I also sell prints, so I've I've managed to find a really really amazing fine art printer um, that is reasonably local. I can go and visit him, and he will print my artwork now that he's we've got like it all set up and he will dispatch for me as well so I just send the order to him so that's amazing and he will dispatch the order for me um so yeah so I'm doing fine art prints commissions and I'm looking to go into teaching a bit more so that's my that's something that I'm I'm kind of desperate to do but I'm trying to keep the blinkers on because I know that that'll be like a you know I want to do kind of online courses and things and I know that'll be like a, a lot of work to get that up and running. So I'm trying to kind of postpone that as, as much as I can um, while I focus on the commissions, focus on Cheltenham and give them my, my kind of all. But that's kind of for the future is teaching. So Now I'm curious because I am friends with some artists and I see them on social media too. And it seems that sometimes the struggle is marketing themselves and getting their work out there so that people actually want to order those commissions. Is there anything that you did, you know, aside from just being good at art, (laughs) is there anything that you did to market yourself and to start actually getting those commissions coming in? So I've found, now this is just me, but I've found posting on social media hasn't directly given me sales. So that's just me. I know there are artists out there that seem to like they get all their sales from Instagram and things. But I find Facebook is better for me. But that's more kind of I find that that's kind of generally more local people to me. But that was generally at a kind of the lower price point where I used to get all of my. So when it was kind of below, say, 500 pounds, then um, I was getting work through social media. But now I kind of now I'm pitching kind of above that. I found that you ha- you have to be face to face. So that's just my personal experience. So it's good to have the social media because I think that that's where people look after they've met you. They go straight on your Instagram to like look you up. So I do think it has a, a strong purpose. But I, I would definitely recommend you need to get out there and I paint in front of people. So I'll set up my um, easel 
before I got the residency, I was contacting, I went to a couple of race courses and I just said, oh, do you mind if I just come and set up the easel for the day? I told them that I was kind of, I will promote myself a little bit, but I just want to kind of paint. And they, and they would just say yes. So I've kind of got um, other equestrian events. I do want to get into other disciplines. Like we've got um, a big dressage center and show jumping not too far away. So I, I'd love to just say, you know, just approach them and say, oh, do you mind if I set up for the day? And I find if they've got stall holders, then then obviously they'll want money for that. But it, I almost find myself, I'm like almost hoping they don't. Because then I think I, then you're, everyone's attention is on you and you're not having to compete with other stall holders. So, but I'm, I'm more than happy, you know, if they, um, if they have got a load of stall holders and then that's fine, but they, they're more laid back if they don't, because they don't really have a system for it. So, yeah. So I just think that's my recommendation to other artists is get out, you know, go to your park or like whatever you like painting and, and just get out to when you think you're somewhere where you think your audience will be your target customers. One of my kind of business mentors, he always talks about watering holes. And he says, you need to go to the watering hole, whatever that might be. So yeah, I hope that analogy helps. I think that's a great analogy for horse people, especially. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. So I love how you essentially are hacking the system to go set up these places. It sounds like mostly for free with some exceptions, but it sounds like you're not paying for most of these spots to set up and just paint. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah. And it's not because I'm mean. It's just, yeah, I just ask them. But I think it would work with other things. Like if you sold, I don't know, equestrian jewelry or equestrian anything, I think just say to your horse show, do you mind if I set up? And yeah. And I'm sure they, they might ask for a little bit of money. But yeah, I think if there aren't other storeholders, you don't have those that competition, you know, the, the kind of bored family members that are waiting will will want to come over and have a look because you're like the only thing that's there. So yeah. And make sure when you're targeting your events, think about the amount of money that people have. So so if you're at a low price point, then you don't really need to worry about that. So you you could just probably go to any equestrian event. But if you are going to up your prices or you're you're doing pieces that take you a really long time, then you'll need to go to areas where they've got more money. So think about the town that you're going to. Does that town have, have more money? So yeah, it's just important to place yourself and go to the correct watering hole, I suppose. The one with the best water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clean water. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned to you've mentioned it a couple times actually how you changed your pricing because you were burning yourself out at the lower pricing point. What did that transition look like for you? Was it scary when you raised your prices and did you still have a good customer base and a full calendar when you did go to the higher price point? Oh yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, basically I kind of realized the problem and then I realized how I wanted my business to be and what my business was, was two different things. And because I wanted to retrain in the oils, it was a good excuse for me to, I, I just stopped doing commissions and I, I stopped my social media for about 18 months or two years. And it was just a really nice time. And I went back, got my job again, pretty much a full-time job on the farm. And and then I was just studying oil painting. And it was just really refreshing to have a break from doing commission pieces. I could just paint whatever I wanted. It didn't matter if it was good or bad. I didn't have the pressure of things looking good or nice. I wasn't posting it on social media. So it was just 
a really nice time for me to kind of just have some time to myself and experiment and play with with no pressure. So that's what I did. But I was always planning on doing like a relaunch when I felt comfortable, when like my tutors, I kind of went to various people. I, I would um, ask artists that I admired and looked up to that were where I wanted to be and kind of ask them what they thought. But you've got to make sure you take advice only from people that you respect. So, you know, don't share, you know, something that's really personal to you with anyone. Make sure it's someone that you respect and, you know, they're going to give you honest feedback. And so, yeah, it was kind of when I felt ready. But what I did is when I did the big relaunch, I thought, right, my prices are going to be higher. So kind of £500 plus now. And I think it was a bit of a, a shock to, to my customers. And I did price out my own customers. They're all still following me on social media and they're rooting for me. And I think they're like, they think it's amazing, like the step up I've made. And so it's lovely. They all support me. But yeah, it was kind of a bit, I knew that was going to happen. And so I continued with my job. There was no pressure. So I just thought if I get, if I get a commission, then that's great. But I think it did take from my relaunch, it did take a few months. I was trying to meet the right people, you know, and connect with the right people. So that is tricky. But I think take the pressure off by making sure you've got another form of income. And, you know, it's not to do with your art and it's not, it's just meeting the right people. Yeah, I think that sometimes one thing that I've witnessed with entrepreneurship in general is that when you are so desperate to bring in the income, you take everybody, you take all of the customers at any price because you're just so desperate for the money. So I love that you brought that up because I think that that's a very valuable lesson in that if you are reinventing yourself or if you're just starting out, it is very helpful to have another source of income to take that pressure off. Because I can tell you what, I can spot a desperate entrepreneur from a mile away. You can tell when someone's really desperate for money that they are taking all of the customers, all of the clients. And it's so important to hone in on what it is that you want from your future. And you sounds like you've done a great job of doing that. Yeah, yeah, it is um, confidence. And you do, I do feel, I tell you what, I did struggle with actually, which I've forgotten about. But because I went from high volume to kind of low volume, I for about a year, I did have kind of anxiety about kind of not having work and not having high volume and not having people contact me every time I post something like I before, if I posted a picture of a painting on social media, generally, I would kind of get one back again, you know, so it was quite easy to get work. And so, yeah, it was it was hard to accept the new volumes of kind of interest and work and things like that. But it is the dream to kind of work less for more money. So but it was just difficult to kind of become comfortable with that. Yeah, it can be a little scary for sure. Well, do you have any advice for someone? Let's speak to artists specifically for anyone who is looking to monetize their art. Do you have any advice for them? I would say what I did, I wouldn't change the way I've done things because I learned so much in that time period where I was doing kind of the the high volume pieces. I learned a lot about customers. I learned a lot about like the process and things like that. So, but I would just kind of do it on the side maybe for a bit longer. And then if you have a dream, I would go for the dream earlier on, you know? So I remember about 10 years ago or longer saying that I wanted to do oil paintings. And I do just think, well, why didn't I why didn't I start that sooner, you know, and, and just do that alongside my my work. But I kind of felt like, 
oh no, I'm not ready for it. And I, d- I don't know why that is, you know, like I just thought, oh no, I'm not ready. I need to just start with, you know, these small pieces. So I would encourage people to like, whatever the big dream is, make steps towards that rather than I was trying to like do like little steps up all the time. But then, you know, I was getting um caught up in it, caught up in make, trying to make money, trying to make ends meet. So yeah, I would go for the big dream. Awesome. Well, Emily, where can people go to see your beautiful artwork and learn more about what you do? So I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And then my website is emilyjohnsonfineart.co.uk. And I've got a newsletter you can sign up to. And that's probably like the most reliable form of me sending out my kind of what I'm up to and things. I'm just starting a blog. So that hopefully that will like be interesting for people to read kind of about my day to day life. And yeah, and I'm looking to start teaching. So that's something I really want to do in the future. So yeah, if you're interested in that, watch this space. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to link everything in the show notes. So you can check Emily out by clicking the link in our show notes today to go to her website and follow her on social media. Emily, thank you so much for being here. You have shared some great advice, not just for artists, but for entrepreneurs in general. So I really appreciate you being here today. Oh, thank you so much, Mandy. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're a horse business owner or equestrian professional, I invite you to continue the conversation by joining our free email club. The Leadline Email Club is a great way to be first in line for new episode notifications, upcoming networking event alerts, and exclusive subscriber content. You can become a member for free today by visiting theleadlinepodcast.com slash email club. That's theleadlinepodcast.com slash email club to receive exclusive horse business content. I'm Mandy, and I'll see you next time. Oh,